There are so many subjects to preach about Easter, so many details in the Scripture, even the prophecy before, and of course, then all the actions during it. To, To get a subject, one subject, and talk about it is a little difficult. But I want to ask you to turn with Mark in Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, with me this morning. Mark 16, I'd like to take you there when the first morning, the Sunday of Easter Sunday. Let's read Mark's Gospel, chapter 16. I want to look at verse 1. It says, When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Then he said to them, Go, tell the disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. I like to phrase that just like he said. (laughs) Verse 8, So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Wow, what great, what great pictures were drawn in our mind as we see the resurrection unfold to human beings. Sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, a common everyday occurrence can become a divine appointment or a divine opportunity. I believe God purposely schedules time to audience with each of us if we will be sensitive enough to understand the call of the Spirit. I believe no man, no woman will miss heaven by divine default. God says He sent His Word, He sent His prophets, He sent His Son, He paid the price. Even in His nature, the Word declares that you can know God through the nature And the divine appointments that God gives every soul will be to us a choice. It will present a choice. We must make a choice. Here in America, our custom to minister to the bodies of our deceased loved ones, as these three women were encountering, we can seem inefficient to express our love to those we've lost. But we employ the embalmer, the florist, we ask the undertaker to do a good job, to perform studious care. And ladies and gentlemen, that shows how our hearts bewail the finality of death as we know it. A clot of dust that once housed a much-loved soul is precious to us. But even the rejected, crucified Son of God had friends who were anxious to offer their last expressions of devotion to the Christ. So three women set out early that morning for the tomb with spices in their hands, fear in their souls, with 
desperation of love in their hearts. Perhaps in their haste, they had forgotten. It dawned on them on the way, who will roll the stone away for us? It is huge and we are not able. Then they looked and the stone, the scripture says, was rolled away. But above and beyond that, the sepulcher was empty of a victim. Inside, an angel spoke to them. Here's, here's some of those subjects about different messages. Just look at what the angel said. For a pastor or a preacher, here's a sermon in almost every line. Here, here's some, I'll just mention them as I go. First of all, here's a message. He said, do not be afraid. And that's a message in itself. Number two, I know you are looking for Jesus. I would love to talk about that a while. Thirdly, he said, he is not here. He is risen. That's our message. Fourthly, go and tell the disciples. God, God wanted them to know what he had done. And then fifthly, he mentioned especially and Peter to tell them to meet him in Galilee again, just like he said. That's the last message. But here they were, astonished, trembling, speechless, afraid. And the scripture says they fled from the tomb. Yet this is the most glorious dawn of human history. I trust you're familiar with the story as we gather this morning to celebrate this special event. So I want to view the heart of this wonderful event and do so with three questions. Though at first they may seem a little naive, I ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us today in our heart. The first question is this, what stone was rolled away? Regardless of all the questions and uncertainties of life for human beings, death is still the great enigma of life to us. In all that we know about it, and all that we've experienced, there still is in it great mystery. Heavenly, or excuse me, humanly speaking, it is an insoluble mystery. It is the one secret of the universe that is kept. It is the one silence that is never broken. Death is the common end to a pilgrimage of glory or a road of shame. To the weary and despairing, it may be, it may come as a friend. To the cynical and the delusional, it may come with indifference. To the healthy and the happy, it will appear as a foe. But friend or foe, it comes and it comes to all. All throughout history of humanity, all of our plans for the future are made subject to the approval. From the beginning, dim beginnings of our history, we have pondered this problem of life beyond this life. Through the ages, humans have nursed their hopes. They have given their dreams. They have built their visions on a fuller life beyond this present life. That is the Spirit of God in us longing for something beyond this present sin-cursed planet. Hopes and dreams and visions don't solve the mystery. Death is still the undiscovered country. Death is still the journey from whence no traveler returned. Then came Easter Sunday morning, and the stone was rolled away. Mark said it was very large, exceedingly 
heavy. But now, ladies and gentlemen, that morning, the stone of death is rolled away. For one traveler had now returned. Now, I would like to say, if, if I were in a congregation with our people, I'd say, say it with me. And now, and now, and now, death is an abysmal cavern no more. Death is a tunnel with the light at the end. Death is no more a blind alley, but it's a thoroughfare. Death is no more a cul-de-sac, but a highway. And it brings Jesus' words to life when you remember he said, Because I live, you shall live also. Because I go to prepare an eternity for you, that where I am, there you may be also. On Easter, ladies and gentlemen, the stone of death was rolled away. Rome had sealed it. Soldiers had guarded it. Satan had schemed it. But God rolled it away. And now the Christian understands how the Spirit talked to Paul when he said, to be absent in this body is to be immediately present with the Lord. That was the stone of death. Thank God we don't have to fear it because God rolled the stone of death away. Secondly, a great message on Easter. A question is, what was, why was the stone rolled away? So I have a question. Do you actually believe the stone was rolled away so the risen Lord might come out of the tomb? I will tell you that is not the case at all according to Scripture because the resurrected body of Christ was independent of doors. It was indifferent to walls because we know John recorded in his gospel telling when Christ arrived where the disciples were in Galilee, they were huddled up in a room. The door was shut. The shutters were shut. They were shaking in fear of the Romans. And the Scripture says Jesus came, the doors being shut. The reason that's the case is he had gone from his flesh body to a glorified body. And yet the stone was rolled away. Why? Why? It was not rolled away, ladies and gentlemen, so that he might come out of that tomb. But it was rolled away so they, the disciples and the women that morning, and in a sense, you and I, so that we can get in that tomb and know there's a witness. Our God is alive. That's why the stone was rolled away. This is what makes resurrection more than a piece of history. It is also a pledge. I will tell you this. There's one word that separates Christianity from all other religious beliefs in the world. One word, and that word is resurrection. No other prophet has resurrected. No other prophet did the miracles that he did. No other prophet died for us and gave his perfect life as a ransom and paid the price. This is more than mere news. This is an eternal promise And he kept it like he always does. God rolled away the stone, not so that his son might rise, but God rolled away that stone so that we might know he had risen. And I live in the hope and the knowledge that he's alive. I want to remind you, parents, I I was thinking of a little story. Do you remember, as I know my wife and I have talked many times, remember when the night or nights came plural, that your child cried out, Mommy, Daddy, from their bedroom. And they would say things like, 
I'm scared. There's something dark in the corner. I'm afraid it's going to get me. You could have stayed in your comfortable bed. You could have said something, oh, that's foolish, just toughen up, get over it, there's nothing there, and kind of pushed it off. But you know what? That's not what you did. You were too concerned about that child's peace of mind. You were concerned about what was stirring in their emotion and their fear. So you went to the dark corner. You moved the chair or the coat or whatever was there. Then you turned on the light. Then you smiled. Then you hugged that child and you kissed them. And you said something like this. See, there's nothing to be afraid of. When you did that, you didn't remove evil. You removed the child's dread. You, re- you went to their level so that he or she might have peace of mind and get some rest. So God rolled away the stone. He says, I want you to know I care. I want you to know my God takes awfully good care of me. When Satan comes in like a flood, he raises his standard, his word against it. Ladies and gentlemen, God roll that stone away that we might know his power and his care. Third question is this. What did the rolled away stone reveal? Let us follow the women to the tomb again. There's a large hole in this rock. It's been hewed out. Does it make you dread to enter? And I think the question is answered in the negative. No. Well, why would you enter? It's because the Savior's tomb is vacant. Among the accounts of the tomb, John gives details. When Mary Magdalene returned with the news to those men disciples, the tomb is empty, he is risen, Two men took off running. They wanted to see for themselves. One of them, I believe, had two words ringing in his soul. One of those men was one of those impulsive people. His name was Simon Peter. And I believe when Mary said, he's alive, he is risen, go tell the disciples and Peter. I think Peter had those words rolling in his spirit as he ran to the tomb. John outruns Peter, the gospel tells us, yet John stopped at the entrance. But when Peter arrived, coming from behind, he didn't hesitate a second. The scripture said he barged in that tomb. And suddenly, he saw something. He saw it. The napkin that was placed about Christ's head. It was laid to the side. It was folded very neatly. And there, when Peter saw that napkin, I believe Peter, Simon Peter, wept his way in his soul and his spirit back to God. Because you see, of all the disciples, Simon Peter was the most impulsive. He was, he was the most physical of the group. He was always trying in the natural and in the physical, in his physical ability to serve the Lord. And I want to tell you, many of us find ourselves like that in similarity many times because we're always, we get into the spirit and we know we must do spirit things, spirit ways according to the word, but it's so easy to revert to the flesh. So do you remember there was a time before this when Christ was trying to tell the disciples about 
what was going to happen, his death, his resurrection, and so forth. And suddenly, the Christ changes the subject. And he says, Peter, here's what happened. He was talking to them and teaching them, and then suddenly he saw a vision in the glory world. And Christ looked at Peter and he said, I'm looking into that spirit world, and Satan is approaching the throne to desire to sift you. But I have prayed for you. Can you imagine at this moment in this tomb, Peter remembering that God said, I see a vision. Satan's going to try to sift you, but you remember I prayed for you. That, that moves me deeply. And he went on to say, when you have, when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. To which Peter replied that day, oh, Lord, I'm spiritually strong. I'm the leader. His name is always the one that's mentioned first of the disciples. It's always Peter, James, and John. He was the strong leader. And and he went on to say, I would be willing. I would never deny you. I would be willing to follow you to prison, even to death, Lord. And we know the story. Three times before the rooster announced the dawn, dawn uh, Peter had failed miserably. Another time when Peter was at the stormy Galilee, it was Peter who tried to walk on the water. I've often thought about that scene, and and I know we try to fault Peter trying to walk on the water, but at least he had faith, and at least he was trying to seek the Lord. I, I think I'd rather be Peter than I had the boat people who always want to tell you how you should have done it. At least Peter got out in faith, and the truth is he did walk on the water. And he did until he took his eyes off of Jesus. And he failed miserably. I know that failure. I have to confess to you that that's happened in my life many times. I think I'm following the Lord spiritually in obedience many times. I think my own thoughts. I use my own human wisdom. And I even try to tell God how to do things sometime. And I finally get to the thought of how arrogant... I jokingly say to my congregation many times, I can't tell you how many times, hundreds of times in the last 40 years, 50 years I've been serving the Lord, how many times I've tried to get God to wear my watch. Lord, where are you? It's time I've learned that God has his own watch. God does things in his own good time. But Peter had failed miserably. Then let's bring it closer to the crucifixion, the night the soldiers came to get Christ. To arrest him. It was Peter, if you remember, who drew his sword and Jesus had to intercede. Peter failed miserably. And now, now Jesus is crucified. I think I know what Simon Peter was feeling. I guess if there's anybody in the scripture that I can identify with in how I would love to please my Lord and how many times I've failed, it's probably Peter. He was feeling, I think, like the most worthless man alive. I think he was feeling like the biggest failure in history. I think he was feeling deep sorrow that he had disappointed God's son. I think he felt like the lowest disciple of all of them and that he didn't even belong among them anymore. I think he felt hopeless Not even God wanted him. And besides that, God is dead. 
And then in that room, for fear of the Jews and the Romans, in that room came the Easter risen Lord. The women had reported, he's alive. The angel said, he told us, he's not here. Jesus said, go tell the disciples and Peter. And standing in that tomb, there was Simon Peter. I believe you could hear the thoughts of Christ in that moment. I think when Christ was in the tomb, he thought something like this. I know Simon Peter. When he hears the news, he'll come running in here. He'll be the impetuous one. He'll, he'll, be, he'll be the impatient one. I know Peter. When he gets here, he'll want some ironclad proof. So I'm going to fold this napkin, especially for him. When he sees it, Peter's going to know I'm alive. And he's going to know that I love him. I'm leaving this message, especially for him. So back to our question, what did the rolled away stone reveal? I want to tell you today, in 2020, the message from that tomb is this. It is the voice of God. It is the voice of God's Son pleading and Peter. What do you mean, Pastor? Ladies and gentlemen, God loves even the greatest failure among us. He loves the weakest. He loves the most insignificant. And you may say in your soul, and your world may be upside down because of our present situation. You may think, I'm such a failure, preacher. I've committed such an awful sin. I'm not worthy of salvation. I'm a no one. I'm a nobody. I want to declare to you this morning, if you're struggling in your soul and your spirit, be you young, middle age, older, I want to tell you, don't place your sin, don't place your failure, don't place what you think people think of you or anything else above the blood of this crucified, risen Lord. This Easter's message this morning, God sends us greetings and he says, come to me, I will make you new. Pastor, it's impossible. I will tell you it's not. And let me tell you, when you come to the Lord, He doesn't just pat you up the best He can. Okay, let's go struggle on. No, He'll make you brand new. He'll wash you clean. Revelation said, watch this, watch this sequence. He said, He loved us. He washed us. And then He made us. I'm so glad He didn't have to make me before He loved me. I'm so glad He loved me in, in my darkness and in my unloveliness. So I want to say to us on this beautiful Easter resurrection morning, the resurrection Savior cries, His message is this, the new blossoms on the tree say, come and live. The beautiful blooms on the flowers say, come and live. Every beautiful green blade of grass says, come and live. Because I live, you can live also. During this situation we're in, this COVID-19 issue across the world. So many people have asked questions about eternity. I will answer those questions for you this morning. If you want to know that you know that you know where you're going when you die or where you're, where you're going when your life ends, I can guarantee you the right direction. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. If 
I live in you. If I live, you'll live also. That is the greatest message you'll ever hear. Doesn't matter where you are, God can reach you.